The following is recorded for Marine Creek Church. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. Romans chapter 8. Um, if you got your Bible, meet me there. If you don't have a Bible, we keep some on the, uh, in the back cabinets for you. If you don't own one, then uh, write your name in that. That's our gift to you. And um, as Ron said, you know, we, we want to help you have access to Scripture and uh, we're going to be in the book of Romans. If you don't know where that's at, God put something really cool in the front of every Bible. It's called the Table of Contents. And uh, you can find the book of Romans. It's, I'll help you. It's in the New Testament. And so in my Bible, which is the Holy Bible, it's on page 939. Um, and then uh, the big numbers are the chapters. So we're in Romans 8. So you can look for a big 8. And then we'll start verse 5. And uh, that's, there'll be the little numbers. And if you need help beyond that, I'd love to spend some time with you in the lobby and help you understand that because I love it when we all have access to the Word of God because that means you can learn to feed yourself. And through, so throughout the week, uh, you're able to, to kind of take that in and let God work on you and, and not just take my word for it because I, I'm, I can mess it up sometimes and I, I do mess it up sometimes. So I want you to check this and check uh, Scripture. So uh, Romans chapter 8, last week we introduced this topic um, through the series Identification. And the way we do it is we're, we, I love teaching through the, verse, through the book of a Bible, verse by verse, because it does hold us accountable to the context. But we've broken Romans down into smaller themes and we began to create series around those themes. And so we're talking about identification. And it's more about our identi- identity in Christ. And Paul's been working through this. This letter was written to the church in Rome and uh, for the first century Christians. And last week we started talking about this idea of life in the spirit or walking in the spirit. And if you remember when we left off chapter or verse 4, Paul's talking about uh, the no condemnation and what, what Jesus did in fulfilling the law so that the righteousness doesn't come through the law, it comes through a relationship with Jesus. And then Paul ends verse four, it says, but we do this by walking in the spirit. And last week we talked about some examples of walking in the spirit. That's not your checklist, but what it means to walk in the spirit. Today we're going to continue in that. And Paul's going to actually give a, a comparison or contrast of two mindsets. Because he's going to tell us that there's a mind that's set in the flesh and there's a mind that's set in the spirit. And so he's going to say we're either in the flesh or we're in the spirit. And when he talks about this, he's talking about dispositions that we can have. And what I found is, is I can, it helps my disposition or my thinking to be around other people that can help me in that. <coughs> Um, when we talked about being in community as part of walking in the spirit, a couple years ago or a year and a half ago, this became very evident to me because I went to the doctor and uh, she was unhappy with the results. Um, and she said, you've got to make some changes in your life. You've got to make some changes in, in how you eat, what you eat, um, your, your exercise and things like that. And uh, my doctor, I love my doctor. She's a, she's a Christian. She's you know, she prays for me, for me, she prays for the church, she knows that I'm a pastor, she knows it's a, it can be a very stressful situation sometimes, and she says, you know, uh, you're on the road to a heart attack. You're also on the road to some other things that are, that are you're not going to enjoy, um, so you need to make some changes. And so she's filling out some paperwork and doing some stuff, and she goes, you know what you need? And I just laughed, and I said, Discipline. 
Um, you know, because I'm sitting there. You know, it's kind of like I feel like I'm in the principal's office a little bit because, you know, she's reading my test scores and she's kind of giving me the rundown. And she says, you know what you need? And I was like, you know, I figured I'll beat her to the punch. Discipline. I need discipline in my life. I need to be more disciplined in what I eat. I need to be more disciplined in, in actually getting up and uh, earlier and working out. And so this idea of bringing discipline around my life really just didn't appeal to me, honestly. Um, and I think we get that way in our Christian life. You know, we start to think that I need more discipline. I need to, I need to be able to get up earlier. I need to be able to do my quiet time at, at five o'clock in the morning because that's when I'll be more holy. Or we put these disciplines. And yes, living a life that follows Jesus as a disciple means we live a disciplined life. And there should be disciplines. But as I, I started working through it, I, here's what I found. I gained more discipline with bringing accountability around me. Here's how that played out. I, I started working out in a class. I joined a workout class, and so there was a group of other people that we were working through this uh, workout three days a week together, and so I was building some accountability through community. And then we, we started the Daniel plan, the Daniel fast. For those of you who went through it, we went through it uh, last January. We also did it again this January. But I had some accountability and I had people around me that could help me. They encouraged me. And I knew if I, if I didn't show up to class to work out, that, that they were going to ask me how I'm doing. They're going to help me in my progress. And it wasn't so they could call me out. It wasn't so, you know, I just want you to stay fat, Matt. And so um, just, just sleep in tomorrow. They genuinely cared about my health and well-being. And so when I went back to the doctor and she said, okay, the test, everything looks completely different. And she said, so what was it? And I said, you know, it was more accountability. I told you I needed discipline. What I needed was accountability. That's how it is in our walk with, with Jesus. That, that's how it is with walking in the spirit. I need accountability that helps me have discipline. And so when we, when we gather here, when we gather throughout the week, <coughs> in our community groups, then, ah, oh, thank you. Look at that. wonder if, what, what would that get me at home, Heather, if I just cough and... <laughs> Love you too. <laughs> but, uh, I love you. <laughs> but what I've learned is... Uh, <laughs> Accountability helps, at least helps me with living a disciplined life. So when we gather in our groups today and throughout the week at the creek, it's gospel-centered community. So it helps me continue this path of walking in the Spirit because there are people that genuinely care about how I'm doing. Here, here's what I ask. I'm going to be honest with you. 100% of the time, even if it's ugly and it hurts and all that stuff, and here's what I'm asking for you. Be honest if, if you walk in and it's the best week, some of y'all are having a great week. I want to celebrate with you. If you walk in here and it's the worst season, it's the worst week of your life, it's the worst time, we want to, sit, we want to help you. We want to sit with you. I may not be able to fix it. I mean, it might be the Job's friends. I can't tell you what God's doing in this and and why God's doing this to you, and I can't begin to reason and explain, but here's what I can do. I can sit with you. 
And maybe your trust is a little weak, but you know what? I, I'm, I'm, I'm at a high tide right now. And so when we get together in community and when we experience community, it helps us walk in the Spirit because it brings that accountability, which then helps us to be disciplined. It's hard for me to be disciplined by myself. And I think most of us are that way. And, and Paul's going to talk about this, these mindsets and we start to think that discipline helps lead us to these, these mindsets when it's really relationship that helps us be in the spirit versus in the flesh. Uh, um, let me read to you verse 5. I'm going to read verse 5 through 11. And then we'll come back and look at these comparisons. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him, but if Christ is in you, Although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So Paul's, Paul's coming off of this section of saying, you know, the way you live in Christ, the way you experience no condemnation, the way you have the righteous requirements of the law is to walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. And then he starts to give this comparison. He says, but some walk in the flesh. And you could start to break this down that um, when you walk in the flesh, you can, can be considered not saved. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of help break this down a little bit. <coughs> when, when Paul's talking about in the flesh and in the spirit, he's dealing with a mind that is carnal. It's, it's thinking in the flesh this old system that is at odds with God, that cannot submit to God, or he's talking about in the spirit, which brings life. The law of sin is death every time sin brings death. And the law of the spirit is life every time the spirit brings life. If you remember back in our study of Romans, Paul talked about this concept and this idea of in Adam and in Christ. That when God looks at the world, he sees two people either those in Adam or those in Christ. So what, what does that mean? To be in Adam is what we all are when we're born. We are born broken. We are born into a system that's broken. We are born into sin. And we're told that, that from the time of Adam, sin and death reigned until the time of Christ. So Christ broke something, but means we have to live in Christ. So if you're in Adam then you're still broken. If you're in Christ, you've been reconciled. And so God looks at the world and says, I either see those in Adam or those in Christ. Now, I love them all. But those in Christ are ones who are reconciled and reconciled into a relationship. And those you could consider physical dispositions in the kingdom of God. I'm either in Adam or in Christ. But then you have a breakdown of the mindset that I'm either going to be in the spirit or in the flesh. Because here's what I've learned. I know I'm in Christ, and I know that there is no condemnation. But I also know this truth, that, that the way I'm wired and the way I deal with things, I can easily step into the flesh. 
I can easily get into the what some theologians will call the carnal mind, and I forget that I'm supposed to be walking in the Spirit, and that my mind is should be set on the Spirit. And what Paul's saying is, if you don't have the Spirit living in you, you don't belong to Christ. You're not a Christian. Now, when I grew up, I grew up, you know, I grew up in church. You know that. Um, and I think every week in children's church, I said the sinner's prayer because I was scared. <laughs> I mean, it was, you know, <laughs> it, I, I don't know if I should say that. Sorry, my inner monologue and filter. It's actually working today. Um, for the, <laughs> Believe me, it's working. Um, but I was scared. And honestly, what I was scared of was going to hell. It wasn't about a relationship with Jesus. I was scared that something would happen to me or something would happen to somebody in my family. And then so, so but I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. And so I would say this prayer every week. Now, here's the reality. I, I think, you know, I've been praying through this series because this Romans 8 especially just throws us right into the gospel and really calls us to question, am I in Christ or not? Am I going to walk in the spirit or am I not? And so I've been praying for you because some of you, I know you're kind of on the fence about Jesus. You're like, you know, I just don't know if I can submit my life to him. I don't know. I, I, I enjoy hearing you teach about him. I enjoy learning about him, but I just don't know if I'm ready to submit my life to him. And I'm praying that you'll make that decision to submit your life to him. I'm also praying for many of you who are in Christ but are living a mediocre life because God did not call us to mediocrity. He called us to abundant life. And I'm praying that through this series that God will reveal himself to you in a new way where you're willing to walk in the life that he's promised you (coughs) and the life that he has created for you. I mean, we've got to understand this, that when we are saved, and it's not the words of a prayer that save us. It's the heart truly turning to God. I mean, in Scripture, we're not told, if you pray this, you'll be saved. We're told that you believe in your heart. You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. To confess that Jesus is Lord means he is the Son of God lived a perfect life, that he bore the weight of the sin of the world on his shoulders and he died for us and he was resurrected. And when we exercise that faith that God gives us to then put back into him, we're made new, we're transformed, we're made into a new creation. And then what happens is the spirit then moves in John 3, Jesus said, spirit gives birth to spirit. So when you think about it, Jesus loves us so much that he died for us. And the Holy Spirit loves us so much, he's willing to live in us. Because I know the things I struggle with. And he's still willing to say, I'm here. I'm with you. I've got you. And so this doesn't mean that an unsaved person never does anything good. It doesn't mean a a saved person never does anything bad. I mean, to think that would be foolishness. But what it means is, where's your mindset? Do you truly desire to follow God? Do you truly desire to seek after his will? 
Do you truly desire to seek after him instead of pleasing ourselves? And, and we'll get into that in a minute. The second uh, comparison he says is death versus life. The, the mind set on the flesh is death. The mind set on the spirit is life. You see, without the spirit living in a person, we don't belong to God. We see that in scripture. What that means is that we're, we're dead. Now, we, we, we might be breathing. We might, oxygen may move in and move out. The heart may be pumping and blood may be flowing through our veins and the, the body's functioning and we call that life, but really we don't experience life. We only experience life in Christ and we only experience abundant life in Christ. And that is life that is truly life. And, and we see this in the law of the spirit of life, and we see this in the law of sin, which is death. And, and a lot of us can be moral. We can be good. We can even be religious, but we have no relationship. See, I could be religious and say a sinner's prayer, but all that's coming from what I'm processing here and repeating back, and it can never happen here. Only the relationship is what moves us from death to life. And that relationship is only in Jesus. Only through Christ can we move from death to life. The third one he gives is being at war with God versus being at peace with God. Romans 7, we, we, we learned that our, our body, our flesh, likes to rebel against God. And Paul says, look, if your mind is, is set on the flesh, you cannot please God. You cannot submit to God. And, and ultimately, what we find is that we are at war with God. I mean, when we say if God is for us, who can be against us? I mean, have you ever thought of it this way? If God is against us, who can be for us? I mean, if we are not in Christ and submitting ourselves to walk in the Spirit, we don't just find God just out there, God says, we're at odds. But praise be to God. Thank you, Jesus, for what he's done. I'm going to read you one of my favorite passages, Colossians 1. This is St. Paul that wrote to the, the church in Colossae. He says, and you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. So he's saying, you were once an enemy of God. You were hostile towards God. You were alienated from God. And he says, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So what, what he's saying is that without Christ, we're at war with God. And because of Christ, we've been reconciled. And there is peace with God. He has brought peace to us. I mean, this, this, this breaks another mindset that we find in the church so often is that we, we, we kind of show up for something to get God off of our back. We'll, we'll either say, well, I, I came to church today because 
I feel like God's out to get me. I feel like God's upset with me. I feel like I'm supposed to come to church because I haven't been in a while. Things aren't going well. So I'm hoping that God will see me punch the time clock and he'll get off my back. Or, or we, we take that into other areas. You know, I'm, I'm actually going to give today because I want to get God off my back. I feel like, you know, God, God puts some, some parameters. He says, look, I, I'm asking you for 10%, and I'm trusting you with the, the other 90. And so he calls us to be faithful with 10%. So I feel like things haven't been going well financially. So I'm going to show up today. I'm going to give 10%, and I need to get God off my back. Or I'm going to serve because I need to get God off my back. You're trying to do things to find peace with God. Let me, let me help you. If you are in Christ, you are at peace with God. The other things we do, be it church attendance, giving and serving, we do out of our love and our obedience in our relationship to him, not to get peace from him. That means we're trying to buy something from God. And he said, you can't can't buy anything from me. Some of y'all need to just hear, hear God just say in the depth of your soul, hey, we're good. We're at peace with each other. I love you. I'm not out to get you. If you're in Christ, listen to this. He's already got you. And some of us, we go through this trying to find peace. The last one is one I really wrestle with. It's pleasing ourselves versus pleasing God. You see, when our mind is in the flesh, we, we, we're very selfish people. Maybe it's just me. I can be giving sometimes, but, but I think at the root of our core, I think the root of sin is selfishness. You know, when we're saying, you know, I, I want my will, not your will, God. Or if you've got kids, one of the first words that they learned after mama and dada or mine. <laughs> I, was th- I said that in their first service and I was reminded of the seagulls on Finding Nemo, which was awesome. You're welcome. You'll be thinking about that the rest of the day. But we just get bent on being Selfish. And I, let, let, me, let me tell you, that maybe this is just my experience, and, and if it is just my experience, then maybe it'll, it'll help glean some wisdom from this, but, but I, I have things that I want. There, there are, I mean, and you probably have tabs open on Google or wherever, you, you have something that you want. At Christmas, growing up, remember you get the catalog and you'd fold it over, like that's the toy I want. I still find catalogs in my house, you know, folded over, you know, or here's the digital way that you ladies like to fold the catalog over. You pin it on Pinterest. I don't know what that means. I've just heard it. I've never been on Pinterest. I promise you. I am not LOLing about that. We all have something we want. We have that thing that we think that would fulfill us. Or maybe it's whatever, whatever you lay awake at night that worries you, that keeps your attention, that, that robs you of sleep, or that starts to rob you of peace. Well, let me tell you something, and it depends on what time of day it is, depending on what I want. We got the camping trip coming up this week, and I'm like looking at all this camping gear. 
I'm like, oh, that'd be so cool to, to, to show up with that at the camp. That would be awesome. That would make camping so much easier. Here's the, I've, I've learned what makes camping easier, embassy suites, okay? <laughs> I bought a new air mattress this week. That was one of my things. I was like, hey, you're sleeping on the ground, man. I, I'm willing to camp it, but, you know, on an air mattress, you can make fun of me. I'll be the one been able to walk on the hike. Y'all be going, I can't move. I feel like an old man this morning. We, I did that 5K yesterday for Kaya. I did that for you. You're welcome. So I'm moving like an old man this morning. But um, here's what I've learned. Whatever thing it is that you've got on that list, here's my experience. When I finally get it, it doesn't satisfy me like I thought it would. Yeah, the, the, the satisfaction lasts for about 10 minutes. And then I start thinking, well, what's next? Or I should have, I should have just waited and gotten the better mark, whatever. Here's what I've learned about selfishness is it's, it's an appetite that is never satisfied. And I find myself going through life never satisfied with things. And God's saying, I'm the only thing that can satisfy you. I'm the only thing that can, can satisfy a thirst so you'll never thirst again. I'm the only one that when you truly hunger and thirst for righteousness can fill you. And, and we begin to change our minds and, and, and live life saying, God, I want to please you instead of pleasing myself. You see, I think it's a very, it, it takes us being in Christ and walking in the Spirit and being a new creation to truly live selfless lives. And so Paul gives these comparisons of, are you in the flesh or in the Spirit? Is, are you experiencing death or are you experiencing life? Are you experiencing peace with God or do you feel at war with God? Are you experiencing the 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 unending appetite of selfishness, are you feeling satisfied in the Lord? And Paul gives us this beautiful assurance because he says this to, to the, the Romans and the Christians he's writing this to. Verse 9, you, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. See, there's hope, there's assurance. And I can tell you this, that when we are in Christ, when spirit gives birth to spirit and the Holy Spirit moves in, our body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. He makes his dwelling and he seals us for the day of redemption. But, but too many of us kind of say, but I want him over here. Yes, he can live here. He's the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I know I'm sealed for the day of redemption. And I want to pull that seal out when I stand before God because I want in. But we're unwilling to let him have everything in our life. We're unwilling to let him have access to all areas of our mind, all areas of our heart, all areas of our body, everything. And I can tell you that there are evidences of conversion. Maybe you're worried, like, am I in Christ? Am I not? I mean, where, where am I really at? I'm not trying to scare you into a sinner's prayer this morning. This ain't children's church like 30 years ago. 
This is us getting honest in a moment of, of really doing some self-evaluation of am I in Christ or not? Am I, am I experiencing life walking in the spirit or am I walking in the flesh? And there's evidences of that conversion. It's the, the spirit living in us. Okay, so what does it mean to have the Spirit living in us? There's evidences of the Spirit living in us. And I know we come from a diversity of church backgrounds. And and you may have been taught different evidences of the Holy Spirit, but let me tell you what happens when the Holy Spirit is dwelling in us. There's assurance from God. There's a testifying of the Spirit that we belong to God. There is life. There are gifts of the Spirit. There's fruit of the Spirit. Here's what I've learned, though, is we can begin to seek those things, those evidences, more than we want to seek God himself. So what happens is, okay, so I take the stuff that I'm seeking and that I want, and I'm going to change that, and I'm going to seek the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to seek the gifts of the Spirit. And so let's just use one for example. One of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is healing. So we think, if I just had the gift of healing, everything would be fine. Then the, then the people that I pray for would, would not die. Their sicknesses would be healed. And we've got people in our, in our church community that are, that are waiting on results. They're waiting to find out what the tumor is. They're waiting to find out how severe the lung cancer is. They're waiting to find out how much longer they have to live. And those are just conversations I had in the lobby this morning after the first service. So if I just had the gift of healing, then everything would be good because then I could pray for you and you would be healed. But the problem is that gift won't satisfy. Or we'll seek the fruit because some of you get freaked out when I say gifts of the Spirit. You're like, I ain't growing up in that environment. I ain't there. Okay, so you seek the fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Okay, self-control. Boom. Okay, I need more. God, I need more self-control. None of y'all pray for patience. That's why I picked self-control. You want patience, go sit on 35 at Basswood. <laughs> so I'm going to seek self-control. Because when I find myself in that situation, I can't control myself. These people just make me angry. Or God, if I could just have more self-control, I could follow you better. So I need more self-control. So that's what I'm going to focus on. That's what I'm going to pray for. I want more self-control in my life. And can I tell you, that's not going to get you there. That's not going to satisfy you. What we need is more of Jesus in our life that we need to be seeking God with everything we've got, that God, I need you. I need more of you. And when I see more of you, I see more revelation. When I see more revelation, I can live deeper in the life that you've called me to live and you've created me to live. And here's what happens. As I walk the life that God has created me to live and he's purposed for me and he's imagined for me and his imagination is much better than mine and I begin to live in that life, here's what happens. A byproduct of walking Walking in the Spirit, a byproduct of being in Christ means that fruit is in my wake. The gifts that happen are in the wake of the life that God is moving me in. 
So I experience peace. I experience self-control because I'm seeking Jesus. I experience gifts of the Holy Spirit because I'm seeking Jesus. Let me clear something up on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Anytime the Holy Spirit's going to move with a gifting on a believer, he's going to do it for, for a very clear reason, and that is this, to bring clarity to the person and work of Jesus. Not to make you look like a fool, not to make anybody look like a fool, not to make the Holy Spirit look like a fool. It's to bring bring clarity to the person and work of Jesus, that he is the Son of God and he lived a perfect life. He died for our sins. He was resurrected on the third day and he can bring life. And that's what the gifts are for. The gift of healing I talked about earlier is to make Jesus clear, not to lift up the person who's praying for the person that's sick. And when we follow Jesus with everything we've got, those things start happening in our life. Those are the evidences. I read an incredible commentary. Um, It was actually on on James chapter 2. But this commentary, if you remember Charles Spurgeon, man, he was just a beast in the faith, man. Um, But he wrote about uh, a tree. And he says this, leaves and fruit are the evidence of life on the tree. But life is in the root of that tree. If life stops pouring into the root, it will have no leaf and no fruit. So my challenge before we pray is, are you rooted in Christ? So the Spirit can be living and working in you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for life. And I pray right now that you begin to just pull the the blinders off of of hearts this morning. That if there there is anyone that finds themselves through this self-evaluation, this moment of honesty before you, that they're lacking a relationship, that the Spirit, you Holy Spirit, are not living in us, then we are not in Christ. And I ask you, Father, to bring an assurance that a relationship starts, and that relationship starts, you, you, you made it very clear that we believe in our heart. Jesus is Lord, that you died for us, that you were resurrected for us, that you paid the penalty for sin that we could not pay. And you said that we're to confess that, so Jesus, we confess that you are Lord. And I pray that you give courage to to those in the room that, that right now are saying, I confess you, Jesus is Lord. Give him courage to talk to one of our prayer members and just come up and say, I'm confessing that Jesus is Lord. Father, for for us, help us to walk in the Spirit. Let us understand that the flesh has been crucified, that it is dead, and we can walk in the Spirit we can live a life that you've created, you've called us to live, 
and the gifts and the fruit and the assurances and, and all the benefits, Father, those become the leaves and the fruit of us being rooted in Christ and walking in the Spirit. Help us to leave here different than we came in. We love you and we thank you. We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Marine Creek Church is located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. Thank you.